Good afternoon. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 41, verses 1 through 8. Genesis, chapter 41, verses 1 through 8. Please rise with me for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows. And Pharaoh awoke, and he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sat and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everybody. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you for this time that we can listen to your word. We pray, God, that our ears would be made to listen now and hear, that our hearts would be softened and open to what you have for us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two weeks ago, we talked about the cupbearer and the baker, if you all remember. And we talked about the difference between the two. And perhaps, maybe, it was in our head that the baker was a bad guy, of course, because he got killed. The cupbearer seems to be a good guy because he lived. But we see this is actually not the case. They were two very bad people. Because after Joseph interprets this cupbearer's dream. Remember, after they had the dream, their faces were troubled. They were very, very, there was like a storm brewing in their face. Do you guys remember that? There was a storm brewing in their faces. And Joseph interprets the dream, and it was right. And you see, their faces are not troubled anymore. I'll do you a favor. I'll do you a service. I'll do something good for you. Except, can you remember this one thing for me, please? This is exactly what Joseph said to the cupbearer. Can you remember me when you go out? Because he knew from the dream he's going to go out. Not because Joseph himself knew the interpretation of dreams, but because he said, God has given me the interpretation of your dream. And here it is. And he had faith that God would fulfill that dream. So what did the cupbearer do? And we see in the epilogue of chapter 40, the cupbearer goes out and completely forgets about him. So Joseph is still in jail, even though he did nothing wrong to this point. And this is how we open up to chapter 41. Two whole years pass by. 
and Pharaoh dreams, and he was standing by the Nile. The Nile is important here because in the wordage that's being used is he's part of this movie. Imagine you're part of this movie and you are the star. So it's like, behold, I'm standing. Oh, I become aware. There's the Nile, the source of our food and our life. And up came seven attractive, plump cows, and they fed reed grass. Behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And then the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh woke up. And then he fell back asleep. And when he fell back asleep, he dreamed a second time. And this time it was seven years of grain, plump and good, coming out of the Nile. And they were growing on one stalk. And behold, seven sprouted ears came up that were thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears. And he awoke. And behold, it was a dream. Uh, So in the morning, his spirit was troubled. Sometimes you have this dream. Sometimes you have this thought. Sometimes something comes inside your spirit and you're troubled. You don't know what to do. You can't shake it. You just can't get rid of it. You can go to the gym to exercise. You can do hobbies all you want to relax. But sometimes you just can't shake it. It's one of those things. And this is what happened to Pharaoh. His spirit was troubled, and he called because he was the pharaoh. He was the king. He called all the magicians, all the wise men, interpret this dream, and they could not interpret the dream to pharaoh. There's a little play on words here that we can look at. This is just the section from what our deacon Ho Young read, and that there is a plural and a singular that's taking place, but... Pharaoh regarded it as a dream. But when the magicians and the wise men take it, they refer it as dreams, plural. And so there's a little play here that we can be aware of. And that's when the cupbearer says to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses, which means I remember my sins. I have this sin. Um... And when he told uh, Pharaoh what they were because of the things that he did, and Pharaoh put him in jail, and a young Hebrew came and he interpreted his dreams, and then cupbearer came clean. Uh, And then we see that exactly what Joseph said came true. This is where we really want to be paying attention and focusing on. A young Hebrew was there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and he started telling him every single detail. So all of a sudden he has this like epiphany, a light turned on. There's a story I know it's called, it's about a farm boy. And a farm boy accidentally overturned his wagon and there was a wagon load of corn on the road And a farmer who lived nearby came to investigate. Hey, boy, he called out to him, right? Uh, That's that's my horrible uh, farmer accent. Hey, boy, okay. Uh, Forget your troubles for a spell and come on in and have dinner with us. And then afterwards, I'll help you get the wagon up. 
Uh, that's mighty nice of you. That, that's my farm boy accent. That's mighty nice of you, the boy answered. But I don't think Pa would like me to. He said, oh, come on, son. Oh, this is terrible. I'm just going to talk the way I talk. He goes, oh, come on, son, the farmer said. And then finally the boy goes, well, okay. But Pa won't like it. After a hearty dinner, uh, the boy thanked his host. I feel a lot better now. But I just know Pa's going to be really upset. Don't be foolish, uh, the farmer said. By the way, where is he? Under the wagon. <laughs> See, we as a people, yeah, yeah, the, the, the dad was under the wagon. Do I have to explain? Because then it's not funny anymore. Okay. Um, we as a people, I think one of the things that we really need to learn is we need to learn how to discern. All these things come to us, and all these, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the dream form, but it could be. But we are faced with so many things. We are faced with so many situations and trials and troubles and all these decisions we have to make ever since we were young. Isn't that the case for so many? And for a lot of us, um, if, you, if you're a teacher, you, you see how we need to test there's statewide testing, and we need to test our children. Um, we need to get into a good high school ever since we're young, and we need to start making these decisions. We've got to take the SATs, twos, threes, I don't know. Maybe there's up to like seven, SAT seven, and my score for SAT seven is 5,400. It's like, oh, that's amazing. Uh, anyway, but we have to make these decisions, but one of the things we're struggling with is how to discern. What's the right decision? What's the answer? How do I come about this decision? And a lot of Christians, we now face it this way. You know what, I'm just gonna pray and God's going to give me the direct answer. As if God's going to tell you, yes, right now, I want you to sit. Okay. In 30 seconds, I want you to brush your teeth because I smelled your breath a little, mm, not okay. And you want every single thing laid out by God. But then we start realizing that's not how he works. He doesn't give you a schedule, an itinerary for you to complete. And one of the things he's telling his people now is you need to be people of discernment. If you want to be a leader of our church, one of the things we look for is, does this person have discernment? It's easy to react as a leader, as a server, as a worker in your workplace. Let's say you're working, um, somebody that you're serving. It could be a patient of yours. It could be a customer of yours. Whatever the case is, that person is terrible. And the initial thing you do is react. But that's all you know how to do react. One of the things that the Bible is showing us today is more than reaction, we need to learn how to discern. How do you discern? Don't be like the farm boy. Don't leave your dad under the wagon and have dinner. That doesn't make any sense. But as ridiculous as that is, a lot of times when we go by life, we're doing the exact same thing. The cupbearer had it he didn't even tell Pharaoh until he called all his men. Then he heard it. Uh, and the cupbearer was like, oh, I remember. 
I just left my dad under the wagon. And he tells, about, he tells Pharaoh, there's this guy named Joseph. He's a really good guy. And the sin that he claims to have committed is the two offenses. He says, I remember my offenses, plural. And one is against Pharaoh for not telling him that he knew about Joseph, that he had this information about this guy who could interpret dreams. And the second one is against Joseph himself. If we ever thought the cupbearer was a good guy, we see here that he was not. Well, actually, one of the worst things that you can do, I think, is when somebody does something good for you, you completely forget about it. If you're a youth teacher, you absolutely can relate to me. We give our lives, we buy these kids lunch, dinner out of our pocket, we give them our time. Once they graduate, they're like, I don't know you, get out of my face. I'm like, this guy, you know? And then we live life like that. By the way, we need youth teachers. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but we, we always do to a degree. Uh, need servers. And sometimes we, we are faced with those kind of things. Um, and so Pharaoh, in verse 14, I'm going to go on verse 14. He goes on and he calls Joseph. And it says here, he quickly brought him out of the pit. Quickly got him out of jail. Because now Pharaoh's in a hurry. Oh, the answer might be there. And if, if you're going to the king, you don't take your time. So he shaved himself, meaning he shaved his beard. Uh, Asiatics back then grew a full beard. Even now, they have these full beards if you go to the Middle East. And they shaved his head because that's how the Egyptians rolled. And they changed his clothes. He came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh goes to Joseph. And it's almost exact word for word that Ho Young read from one to eight, except this one part. So he goes, I had this dream. There's no one else that can interpret it. Can you interpret it? And then uh, Joseph goes, it's not in me. Again, he gives all the glory to God. And then Pharaoh says, behold, in the dream, I'm standing. Again, he says all these things, except he has this one thing. Uh, seven other cows in verse 19 came up after them, poor and very ugly. And thin. He adds this very. Sometimes when we go through life and we know that there's something that hasn't been fixed, the longer it goes by, it just feels like it's getting worse. Or like the more you can think about the detail, it just makes you more upset. Have you guys ever been in a fight with anybody? And the more you let it linger and it's not resolved, like the more angry you get. The more you, you feel like, oh, that was like the worst thing, wasn't it? And it becomes more extreme, right? And the more Pharaoh thought about it, he was like, oh, man, these cows were ugly. And that's exactly what he says. These cows were ugly cows. But there is, there's, a tell, there's something telling about that. Pharaoh is king. He has all the power he can possibly have that he can understand. He's king. And to feel impotent, to feel helpless, to feel like, oh my gosh, I can't stand it. Remember how we brought, he brought Joseph out? There's no way he's going to go to Pharaoh unclean. There's no way he's going to go with a full beard. That's disgusting to Pharaoh. So they shaved everything from neck up. And he, he was presented to Pharaoh. But there, because if there's, he doesn't have to take it as king. But this is something 
that he couldn't shake, he couldn't get rid of. And so he goes, man, they were ugly. And he tells Joseph the dream. Joseph tells the Pharaoh, and here is another key from, remember I told you about the singular and plural. Joseph gives Pharaoh the key first. The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And he explains that the seven good cows and the seven good ears of grain, they are actually seven years of plenty. And after that, the seven ugly cows, the very ugly cows, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind, they're also years, but they are of famine. And it is, as I told Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. And so he explains, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. But here's where Joseph doesn't stop. And this is what I'm talking. If your ears were open this whole time, we know that this whole thing is going to be about discernment. So Joseph is not only able to discern the dream, but able to continue on after the interpretation. And he goes, then... What we're going to need to do is we are going to, and then he goes into politician mode. He does. He goes into politics. A lot of people think, you know, politics doesn't belong in church. Let's take it out of church. I don't want to talk about Donald Trump. I don't want to talk about the presidency. I don't want to talk about the congressman, whatever it is. I don't, I don't want to talk about these things. You know, let's, let's have just church be church. And in fact, let's just take all of politics out of this arena. Um, that's not true. We can't live like that. You can't live compartmentalized. You can't just section off your life and be like, you know, this place is a nice place. I'm not going to think about anything else. And then this place is another place. I'm just going to think about this. It just doesn't work like that. So when we try to turn off our churchness, if that's a word, when we're working we see that there's a conflict that arises in the spirit. When we try to turn off everything when we come here and be like, you know what, this is, you know, we can use churchy words, this is about me and God, so nothing else should come here. What we are actually doing is we're being fake. We're being fake with each other. Because the real me, you don't see. You just see me in this robe and this purple thing, but what am I really going through? I actually hurt my back the other day, <laughs> and I'm such an old man. Anyway, I was stretching, and, oh, and I couldn't move for like a few minutes, and I was holding on for dear life. And, you know, but I could cover myself up well. I could move around. I'm not going to go crazy, because that would be terrible if I tweaked it on stage. But when I cover up myself, you wouldn't know that. And we cover up ourselves, and we come even here saying, with the excuse, this is between me and God. Of course, you have to say the word God differently. You don't say God, you go, God. And you have to say it like that. This, this is between me and God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover my, you know, I'm going to put this robe on. And I'm, I'm, everybody else doesn't know anything that's going on. But the truth is, on your faces, I can even see it. There's a storm brewing in your faces. There's a storm in your spirit. And no discernment on how to handle it. 
My friends, my brothers and sisters, that's not the way we can possibly live healthy. That's not the way God meant us to live. And because Joseph had this discernment, he tacks on. You know what? Then let Pharaoh, and this is verse 33, he goes, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. They're two different things, discerning and wise, meaning you know, you have the know-how, and you know how to do it as well. You know the answer, and you know how to do it. So let Pharaoh have a discerning and wise man set him over the land and let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land, take one-fifth. He starts talking about taxation. He starts talking about uh, seasons, and this is going to be, he's talking about economics. He's talking about taxes. He's talking about politics. He's talking about hierarchy in the government. He's talking about all these things because of this one dream. And let him gather these food and store up under the authority of the president, I mean Pharaoh, and food in the cities, let him keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that's going to occur so that the land won't perish. I'm going to go only up to verse 40 today, and we're going to finish the rest next week. And the proposal, when Pharaoh heard it, Pharaoh liked it. And he goes, can we find another man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there's no one else as discerning and wise. He uses Joseph's exact words to compliment him. And you shall be over my house, which is the palace. Joseph was in charge of three houses. This is his third house. First house we know is Potiphar's house. And then the second house was the king's jail. And finally, the third house Joseph gets command over is the palace. And only as regards to the throne, I will be greater than you. Joseph becomes second highest in all of Egypt. Some of us we have been waiting a long time and we can relate to the story and we can't, we just can't, it just can't come soon enough. The things that we have been waiting for. Some of us, we stop waiting. I've waited long enough. For all of us, I have a poem. <clears throat> Patience is a virtue, possess it if you can, found seldom in a woman, never in a man. I love that one. I just loved it. I was like, this is so good. I, I, I try to memorize it, but it, it, it's so short. But it's so good. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman, never in a man. Patience is so rare. And I thought, did a Korean person write this? Because that's so good, right? Um, this is something that we all struggle with. This is something that is universal to all of humanity. God asks us to wait. How long, God? I've waited long enough. I've waited so long. You know, if it stops short 
And all these things didn't happen to Joseph. Let's go by the big events of Joseph's life. If Joseph wasn't sold, which was a horrible thing to happen, then he would have been killed by his brothers. If Joseph wasn't bought as a slave, he would have never gotten into Egypt. If Joseph was never put in jail, he would have never been able to meet the cupbearer. If Joseph was let out early because the cupbearer remembered, he probably would have gone back home, never having this chance two years later. Joseph waited 13 years for his promise to be fulfilled. Jacob waited 14 years for Rachel. Abraham waited 25 years to have his son Isaac. We can go on further. David, he waited 15 years from the pronouncement of Samuel saying, you will be king, until he actually became king. Moses waited 40 years before he was called back. Jesus waited 30 years. If you have been waiting, you are in good company. You are not alone. The Bible tells us we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses and what did they go through? G. Campbell Morgan says, waiting for God then is not laziness. That's not how we wait. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not an abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that might come. And third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. Waiting on God is active. And we wait on him, asking when it will be yes, but we wait on him and his timing. Our faith and trust is in him because his timing is perfect. You know, the revelation that was given to Joseph is incredible. This revelation of dreams, this revelation that comes upon someone's life, yes, this is something that we have been waiting for and it is about to happen. And the Bible is full of revelations, just like this was an incredible revelation. You know, the ultimate revelation, all these revelations lead up ultimately to the ultimate revelation. Did I say ultimate enough? The greatest revelation has come in his son. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23, it says, He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, 
and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, meaning you were troubled, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in your faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, this is the greatest revelation. In Hebrews chapter 1, Verse 1 to 2, it also says, Long ago and many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The greatest revelation that we could ever receive, the best interpretation of the greatest dilemma that we have, the revelation is Jesus Christ. And it is the Spirit that reveals the Son and all truth through the apostles. In John 16, verse 13 and 14, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is why we pray for the Spirit. And my third point in Revelation is about revelations are this, is this, Jesus Christ continues to send gifted individuals to build his church. Ephesians chapter four, verse four to eight, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. You're here for a reason. Each one of you are here because Jesus has given you a gift to share in the church. I don't care if there's 20 people in here or 150 people in here or 10,000 people in here, each and every single one of you, you have been given a gift by Christ to share with the church and he is the head. But a lot of us have been waiting. We've been waiting to use our gifts We've been waiting on God to fulfill promises, answer prayers. How can we move on? There's this old Hebrew story that I wanted to share. And it's an old Hebrew story on Abraham. It's not in the Bible, so don't look in Genesis. It's not going to be there. But according to a traditional Hebrew story, Abraham was sitting outside his tent one evening when he saw an old man, weary from age and journey, coming toward him. Abraham rushed out, greeted him, and then invited him into his tent. There he washed the old man's feet, gave him food and drink. The old man immediately began eating without saying a prayer or any blessing. So Abraham asked him, don't you worship God? The old traveler replied, 
I worship fire only and reverence no other God. When he heard this, Abraham became incensed, grabbed the old man by the shoulders and threw him out of his tent into the cold night air. When the old man had departed, God called to his friend Abraham and asked where the stranger was. Abraham replied, I forced him out because he did not worship you. God answered, I have suffered him these 80 years, although he dishonors me. Could you not endure him one night? We have been given these gifts to share. It could be, like Abraham, the gift of hospitality. You might have that gift. God may have given you a house so that you can open it up. It isn't to judge people. It isn't to be like, you better follow these rules. But it's a gift of hospitality. It could be that you have a gift of singing and you want to come out and sing before the congregation. It could be you have a gift of serving and you want to serve wherever it takes. But God has given each and every single one of us a gift that we are to use to build his church. Yes, we have been waiting for our promises to be fulfilled, but in the meantime, we wait on God, trusting in God, but we don't wait idly doing nothing. How do you wait? And the answer I gave you in that story, you wait by using the gifts God has given you to serve his church. That's how you wait. I want to challenge all of you that's listening here on this. What has God given you? Surely he has. The promise is here. And how are you using it as you wait upon the Lord, trusting that his timing is perfect. And when it becomes fulfilled, it's going to be oh so glorious. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that you have given us today. We want to be a people that trusts you completely. We want to be a people that will not just wait idly, but we will wait actively upon you, knowing that you have given us so much. May we give back to you, even if it is a small portion of the gifts that we have been given, to glorify you to lift your name, O Savior, O God. Let's take this time of personal reflection on the message and lift up your prayers to the Lord. Ask God to send his Holy Spirit to you so that he can reveal to you ultimately Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in every single crevice of your heart and life. Let's pray.